Welcome to Element, the student ministry of Third City Christian Church. To find out more, go to thirdcitychristian.org backslash students. Um, when I was 16, uh, my dad had a truck. I can remember the course of my life living at home. My dad bought one new truck. There was one brand new vehicle that came into our house. It was an 87 Ford Ranger. It was red and it was an extended cab and Timon Jackson and Lizzie, yes, it's that dumpy thing that crapaw drives around the farm. He still has it and he loves it. He bought it brand new in St. Louis in 1987. And uh, I remember going shopping for it. I remember how excited I was because it had these cool little seats that folded out of the extended cab. And like my backside was just wide enough to fit into it. And I thought they were made just for me. But it turned out dad's truck, you couldn't eat food in that thing. Uh, you couldn't pass gas in that thing. You couldn't, you could do nothing in dad's truck. So we fast forward from 1987 to the fall of 1994, and I'm 16, and uh, I'm getting ready to go out on my first date. And my dad offers me the truck. Now, for a lot of people nowadays, like vehicles on your 16th birthday are a rite of passage. You're like, I expect to get one. That's not normal. Normal is like you're lucky to have anything with wheels that turn to get you somewhere, and like dad saying I could take his truck was something unprecedented. And the thing is, is it was also a stick shift. So I was already nervous because it was going to be a first, yeah, I waited till I was really old to go out on dates. No one liked me. I had funny ears. So that's the way that works when you got funny ears. So um, sorry to all my kids. You got funny ears too. So, but, but, uh, but anyways, I, I remember my dad going over all the details. This was the truck we couldn't eat food in. We couldn't make any messes in. And he gave me the keys. <laughs> what was my dad thinking? I was 16. I was getting ready to go out on a date. I was going to be so distracted, so concerned about whether or not my armpits smelled, my breast smelled. I wasn't going to be worried about like people around me. And he gave me the keys to the truck. And I was thinking about that today and like what God did with the church. God came to earth, established this thing, the church. He established this, this institution that he had a vision for. He was like, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to send my son to save these people. They're going to take my message to the end of the earth. It's going to be an amazing institution. It's going to be a group of people that are identified by the way that they love each other. It is going to be a place full of compassion, full of forgiveness, full of love, full of grace, full of mercy. And he gave us the keys. What was he thinking? Because I, I was thinking about that because we're in this engaged series and, and it's all about how we're engaging with God and how we're taking the gospel and engaging the people around us. How are we doing? You know, to some extent last week, I was a little overwhelmed because I try to work really hard to make sure that there's enough adult leaders in the room to keep our ratios down so that you guys can like have an actual small group and it's not like, yeah, we got a small group of 30, you know? We bet, yeah, my adults thought that was funnier than everybody else, right? They get it. We're trying really hard to make sure that you know who your adult leader is. We placed you guys in those groups because uh, we know that it's impossible for, 
for me or Parker or someone on staff to, to actually know everyone. You have a youth minister in your small group that has been placed to know you. And, and without their help, like, this, this ministry would go nowhere. But I was thinking about this last week because all the seats of these chairs were full. And I was like, crap, we're not ready for this. I was like, what are we going to do? And, and Parker mentioned several weeks ago when he arrived for Element, he's like, you know what, I'm walking in here. There's a worship team that is already rehearsed and ready to worship. There's students that have set up chairs. There's adults ready for ministry. I'm walking in to get ready to preach, and we've got students that are running a sound booth in the plaza. This is so much bigger than me. You guys, I want you to think about the church being so much bigger than you. You know, Timo came out and prayed for the, the wildfires in California. I think about that. You know, you're right. Wildfires are so foreign to us. It's hard to even imagine when someone on the other side of the country or sometimes even the other side of the state is suffering in some way because it's so foreign to us, because our world is so big. And God dropped the keys to the church, the answer for all the hurting, for all of the pain, for all of the, you name it, for all of the racism, all of the hate, all of the loneliness, all of it, he tossed them to the church. I'm just like floored. Because I know you. He's tossing you the keys. I know me. Why in the world would he toss me the keys to something that valuable? Because I know I'm going to drive it in the ditch. But that isn't what God was worried about. So when he tossed the keys, you see my dad, when he tossed me the keys to the truck, he said, son, I need you to be careful. I need you to check this. You need to look at your tires. You need to, and this was more than just for the one night. He says, you need to understand how to check the oil. You need to understand the health of your car. You need to know how to change the oil. You need to know what worn out tires look like. You need to know not to leave your wheels locked into four wheel drive. You need to know not to pass gas in my vehicle. He went through all these things. And so here's what Jesus did. You see, Jesus left the church in the hands of these disciples. And when he was given the opportunity to leave his last words with his followers, you would think that he would have said, all right, guys, sit down. It's these, it's these disciples. They weren't much, much older than you high school students that were in here. They were young, young people that he trusted with the future of the church. He said, come here. I need you to sit down for a minute. He didn't sit them down and go, I need to teach you how to preach a sermon. This is what that's going to look like. I need to teach you how to set up chairs in a room because you're going to need to know how to do this. He didn't say, he didn't say I'm going to teach you how to write. I'm going to teach you how to lead. What Jesus did is he said, I'm going to teach you how to serve. And this is what he did. If you have your Bibles, I want you to open them up. If you've got your Bible apps, I want you to open it up to the book of John. In John chapter 13, um, this is where Jesus was in life. He was, Jesus knew that he was getting ready to leave this earth. He knew that the crucifixion was coming. 
He knew that everything that he had lived for, the reason that God had sent him to earth, was coming to its point of importance at the cross. He knew that that was coming. And he was spending time with these guys that were closest to him. It was like his last opportunity to pour into these guys that had spent three plus years of life with him. He had them in the upper room. They were up in there and who knows what they were talking about. In some of the other books, they were, they were talking about like who should get to sit next to Jesus, who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom of God. They're having this conversation. Jesus walks in and you need to understand the culture of this. They've been walking around in the dirt all day on dirt roads. They had open-toed shoes. It'd be like if you went out to the, the feedlot out here. That's east of town. You know, and the wind's blowing just right. It smells really good. You guys know what I'm talking about? It, would any of you guys wear your Chacos out into that, that feedlot? Some of you guys are like, you're not going to see me wearing Chacos, right? But it'd be like if you had worn sandals or flip-flops or Chacos walking up and down because the roads that they were on were shared with animals. And when animals don't understand holding it, when they go, they go. They don't care. So you imagine walking up and down the road, what their feet would be covered in, a mixture of sweat, toe jam, camel poop, horse poop. I have no idea what other kind of stuff. But when you walk into a home, nobody wants that on their carpet, right? Any of you guys got moms that are like, take your shoes off when you come in the house? Any of you guys got those? We're like, we don't yell about it, but we're kind of a no-shoe house. You know, I used to do it so I didn't get blamed, and my brothers would get blamed for tracking mud in, so I just started doing it. But so here's what would happen in this culture. Whoever was the youngest servant in the house, it was their responsibility to wash the feet. Everybody walks in, and we're going to be eating. Nobody wants stinky feet at the dinner table, right? So they're having a formal dinner. Someone's got to wash the feet. And you can imagine the disciples going, looking around going, someone's going to have to wash his feet up in here. Ain't going to be me. I'm not doing it. That's ridiculous. I saw what he stepped in and I didn't have nothing to do with it. And they're just kind of avoiding. It's like the bowl of water is back here and everybody's just kind of ignoring, ignoring that bowl of water and like, man, someone's got to do this because supper's going to taste nasty if I got to smell their feet. And, and they're, they're argue, they might be arguing about it, avoiding it, but the next thing that you know, Jesus is walking towards them with a basin and with a towel. Scripture says that he kneels, and this is where it picks up in John chapter 13. He says, it was just before the Passover feast, Jesus knew that the time had come for him to leave this world and to go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he now showed them the full extent of his love. So what we're getting ready to hear is Jesus showing his full extent of his love for the people that he was closest to. So I want you to listen closely to what he did. The evening meal was being served and the devil had already prompted Judas Iscariot to betray Jesus. And Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power. And that he had come from God and that he was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, he humbled himself, wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with a towel that was wrapped around him. I want you to picture this image. You're with a group of friends and you're so concerned about who's going to do the lowly job. But the person of honor at the meal, comes out and says, come here, let me serve you. 
And that's how Jesus showed his extent of love for his disciples. And that is how Jesus set the example and said, look, this is what my church is going to be based on. It's going to be based on humble service. Students, I want you to think about this. This idea of you engaging with the world around you, this idea of the world, you engaging with God and engaging with the world around you. We've witnessed baptisms last week. We're witnessing more of them tonight. People choosing to engage with their creator, to engage with their savior. But it goes further than that. Because God has called us to reach a world around us. Listen to Acts chapter one. Jesus, after he was crucified and buried and rose from the dead, he appeared to his disciples and this is what he said to them. He said, you're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And look, because of their obedience and because they followed Jesus' humble example of serving, you and I are on the other side of the globe where that conversation happened. And those disciples were obedient to that command. And because they were obedient, the gospel is here in Grand Island, Nebraska. I don't know if you've ever thought about that. Young people, not much older than you, took that call that serious. And all of these, all of these disciples, they, they weren't like scholars. They weren't CEOs. They were fishermen. They were tax collectors. They were just, <coughs> excuse me, they were just humble people that were willing to be obedient. They were willing to engage. Now students, we're gonna have a call to engage tonight. Now if there are 280 students in this room, there might be 280 different ways that God is calling you to engage with his gospel. There might be a different way that that you need to engage that might be different from how God is needing, needing you to engage. It could be totally different. Some of you, God is calling to something tremendous. Some of you, God is gonna want you to put your life into full, wholehearted service with some unreached people group on the other side of the planet. And he's relying on you to be obedient in that call. Some of you are called to simply be a witness in your math class tomorrow. And God is wanting you to engage that way. Some of you guys, it's even simpler. He is wanting you to, quit, to change your attitude towards the church and towards God. Some of you, God is just saying, hey, would you serve people? Some of you are saying, would you just love people? Some of you, God is calling you to have a conversation with your friends. This is something that I realized. The, the impact of, of Element, the ministry of this church, has very little to do with me, and it has a lot to do with your obedience with your peers. Because I can't witness to your friend in Spanish. I can't talk to your friend in science. You know that, that person that your locker is next to theirs in the locker room? 
That's just creepy if a 39-year-old guy shows up there. I've got no business being in there, but guess what? God has called you to that point. Some of you, God is saying, quit faking it. That's all he wants you to do. Quit faking it. And you know what that means. I don't have to explain it. He's calling you to step out of your comfort zone and to do something. So here's what's going to happen tonight. We're going to worship some more. And you're going to have an opportunity to engage with God in a unique way tonight. And you're going to see what that's going to look like during a more moment. But I want you to remember something that's vitally important. We are all called to shout the name of Jesus to this dying world. We have to understand that this world is hurting. And we are called, just like those disciples, to shout hope and truth in the name of Jesus to this world. You are equally as called as I am to be obedient to that. But the methods are going to be different. God called me to be a youth minister. He made it clear that working with middle school and high school students was my calling. But I guarantee as I'm speaking right now, there is something that God is putting on your heart that you need to do. And as we sing and as we worship, as we engage with our Savior... I want you to be challenged with that thought during this next song. Lord, Father God, thank you for hope. Father, you gave us hope. Your son was hope in flesh. He came to this earth, took a punishment that I deserved. Thank you for that, Lord. Father, we know that the world around us is in desperate need of hope. So many people feel like there's just no reason to get up tomorrow, no reason to, to, to have any hope for anything good. And Lord Jesus, we need to be ambassadors. We need to take your hope to them. And Father, that is our responsibility. You have handed us the keys, Lord. Help us to be obedient with the smallest thing. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Thanks for joining Element. To find out more, go to thirdcitychristian.org backslash students.